You're listening to the Hometown Crowd Podcast, part of the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. On this week's episode of Hometown Crowd, the sports world is still at a standstill as the coronavirus continues to spread. So we are joined by James and another special guest to preview WrestleMania 36. Later, we take a look at ESPN's 30 for 30 documentary, Nature Boy, and reflect on Ric Flair's impact on wrestling. Get on your feet, you're cheering with the Hometown Crowd. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country and in our backyards of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. What's up, everybody? This is Mac. Jesus, how are you slurring your words already in this? Uh, I'm not slurring because I am sober. It sounded real slow there. And I'm Heather. Woo! Lewis. <laughs> Also joining us this week is returning and probably regular host at this point, James. Somehow I keep getting invited back. I don't know how. Well, that's because wrestling's the only sport that's going on right now, and that's your specialty. Uh, One of of my three, yes. (laughs) Uh, Be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email us at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com and be sure to subscribe to us anywhere you find your podcast. If you're an Apple subscriber, we would love a five-star review. And if you leave us a review, we will read it on the air. But we did not get any new reviews or ratings this week. Please put your goddamn name on it, too, if you're going to do it. Yeah, do. We do have some other big news. Yeah. After 27, uh, 26 episodes and however many bonus episodes, we finally hit 1,000 total listens. Yes. Thanks, guys. We don't get a ton of listens. We love doing this, but we don't do it for the the clicks. Um, But 1,000 is a pretty big milestone. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've, we've got... You know, we've we've gotten past triple digits, so I mean you can't really complain about that. And considering I think that aver- the stat says we average twenty six listeners per episode. Yeah, uh, that's I'm... that's based on how many are within the first week or so. Oh, if okay. you were to actually average it out, it's higher, but it's like twenty six immediate listens, pretty much. Okay. Well, even then, I'll take it. I mean, it's not bad, you know. Yeah. How are you guys doing tonight? You guys doing okay with the, uh, I think officially we here in Fayetteville are under curfew? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I... it's not curfew necessarily. No, it's, because no Fayetteville it's a, it's a curfew. implemented curfew. Yep, Did they do the overnight one though? Yes. Yep. 9P to 6A starting today, Wednesday, April 1st. Sorry, I'm just going to slice my throat open with this letter opener. Yeah, I I'm I want people to be safe. I want people that are sick to be, you know, to to recover. I mean, my room one of my roommates is she tested positive for it, so uh, she's getting she's slowly convalescing right now. Oh, uh, so she did test positive. She did. Oh, dang. Yeah. So uh, I want everybody to be safe, but I I need people to stay at home. I need them to stay away from people, even in the house, and stop passing this around so I can get back to my normal every day and, and get my sports back. 
Yeah. Yep. I'm slowly... Hashtag save football. Yeah, I'm slowly going nuts at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Mac's going to start watching uh, Harry Potter for Quidditch or something here soon. Just, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's getting really bad. He's no. really... No, I will not. I will not watch Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, that's a, such a shame. But uh, that's for we, another time. Yeah, we we've been we we pretty much we we don't have any of the symptoms, but we're trying to do our part. We've been pretty much self isolated for a couple of weeks, and it's been fun. Yeah, I'm slowly losing my mind. Um, yeah, because I'm I, at work from home, so. Yeah, I work from home two out of every three days. Uh, I'm I'm actually looking forward to going to work tomorrow just so I can get out of the office or get out of the house. Uh, Lucky bastards. Yeah, Heather, you are stuck working every day. Every single day. I'm sorry. Eh. When you're an essential, when you're in an, like an essential like infrastructure type job, like. It is what it is, but it's okay. Well, you've fulfilled my dream where I get to be the stay-at-home dad and you bring home all the bacon. That's right. So, you married yourself a sugar mama. I did. Very uh, proud of that. Just, that's just, the way I'm, it's supposed to be. I'm just a lot younger mm-hmm. than probably you were hoping for. So That's the dream. <laughs> yeah. With a lot more debt, so. James, anyway. James was uh, that nice 70-year-old. <laughs> Let's get started with some news this week. Um, Not a whole lot because the sports world is still on hold because of the coronavirus. Um, The big news today is Wimbledon canceled for the first time since World War II. Mm -hmm. That's big. That's really big. But who cares? Who watches Wimbledon? Old white people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't really talk about tennis, but that is a pretty significant event to have canceled. Yeah, I mean, I I get that, but I mean, golf, tennis, NASCAR. You know, I don't give a I don't give a shit about those three things. Uh, at least tennis is a sport. Eh. But didn't they move? Um, didn't the Indy Five Hundred also move to like July yes, or something like the that? Indy Five Hundred. I think it's yeah. August thirteenth. Yeah, something it's like something that. like that. I knew it was like late summer. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and that's the thing, though. You you have I get it. We, we they want to start making money. That's why they're here. Um, but they're doing it one of two ways. They're they're doing it in a very reactive form, um, which is something the NBA is trying to do. And and there's been a million plans coming out of there. Then you have Major League Baseball, who everything happened before their season officially started, so they can kind of bend and flex as needed. And then you've got uh, old Dana White. Who's like, yeah, I'll cancel three events, but hey, two forty nine still gonna happen. Still, what <sighs> <laughs> are my chances stuck in Russia? But it's still gonna happen, and it's just, uh, I, I don't know, man. It's just be safe, cancel everything until like July, and then we can go from there. I mean, this this has been a pretty rough period for sports fans. Um, uh, what do you mean, sports fans, dude? Look at look at our generation, okay. We fought in the forever war, went through one of the biggest economic downturns in, in global history. Okay. Uh, you know, what, what else have we dealt with? I mean, it seems like millennials have just been getting shat on left and right throughout our almost 40 years of existence. And then now we get Corona. Okay. You know? First of all, speak for yourself. Cause I am not a millennial. Yes, you are. You yes, are. you are. No, technically I'm you are. Xenial. 
Sorry. Oh, don't use your made up term just to separate yourself. No, absolutely not. Yes. Are you born after 1980? Yes. Therefore, you're a millennial. Didn't need your help there, husband. Did not need your help. Well, you were, Heather. So you just, yeah. I refuse. I refuse. (laughs) Um, But the. NCAA has granted spring athletes an extra year of eligibility. Yes, Division uh-huh. One, Division One, and Division Two committees both uh, voted on it and agreed to it. Basketball players are kind of left in the lurch because they were not approved for an extra year. That that's kind of shitty. Um, well, I mean, they looked at it this way: the spring sports didn't even really get a chance to get into their season. Basketball, yeah. you know, they finished their regular season. So yeah. But, I mean, the, the part that everybody really cared about was just about to kick off. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen them gotten that extra year of eligibility. But, I mean, that the fact that the NCAA gave anybody an extra year is a small miracle. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I just, for those baseball, you know, the baseball and softball players and the track and, um, you know, cross country, I want to say, nope, cross country is fall. But, but, you know, the spring sports that – you know, a lot of these people aren't going to go pro and this was going to be their last year. I mean, why not, you know, uh, give them that opportunity to finish out strong. Yeah. Um, what else is news this week? Uh, Tom Brady, uh, who's you know still Mac's favorite player. Uh, he will still continue to be TV 12 in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cute. All right. Next. <laughs> Max, ready to move on from that already? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's gonna pay through the nose to, to go purchase. <laughs> oh, that was great, Heather. Well done. Um, but uh, I'm glad he's gonna pay through the nose to, to Godwin to get his beloved number twelve, and he can continue making stupid athletic gear and, and workout programs. Um, and I hope he has a respectable season. In Tampa. Yeah. What, what I, do you think the uh, Patriots' odds are next year? Oh, uh, we we're, we're, we're looking at a different, definite seven to nine, eight and eight season, and uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> also known as a Brown Super Bowl. Um, yeah. Well, any, oh, yeah. anything's a Super Bowl for you, Tim. Anything. Yeah, I'm aware. Uh, what else do we have this week? What else is news? Um, yeah, I watched... John, old Johnny Bones Jones. Oh yes. yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, what is second second DUI in four years? Yep. Uh, and then you couple that up with a hit and run while high on cocaine, uh, and the woman was pregnant. Uh, that was the one, first one. Yes, but I'm saying this one coupled with that one, and he just got a couple days of uh, well, house. It's not house just a DUI. <laughs> he also had misuse of a handgun um yeah so you know there's that yeah i mean it just, just seems that. like he, he's gonna you know we we look at it we're like man he's gonna piss away his career and it's like bro uh he's probably not even gonna miss a day of training for this you know no. so no nope. i mean it's... four days of house arrest yep in the middle of a quarantine yeah i think that's the part that gets me the the most is four days of house arrest while we're having a quarantine. Well, no, or, guys, no, what do. that's proposed like, though. The judge hasn't agreed to that yet. Well, but he's hoping he still, never does. 
Yeah, I mean, let's let's face it, that his attorney is going to take good care of him. Uh, Not only that, I'm sure that he is going to fan himself in the courthouse with like a wad of hundreds. Like, oh, (laughs) yeah, oh, it's it's so warm in here. (laughs) Well, he does live in New Mexico, so he could be exactly. He'll he'll offer the judge here. I can fan you. Uh, any any other pieces of news before we get into our main topics for the night? Uh, semi uh, semi pro is still a a gem of a movie, and now that it's on Netflix, I'm going to watch it once a week. <laughs> With the Flint Tropics, uh, yes, the Flint, Michigan Tropics, indeed. Yes, because uh, you know, being from Michigan, I can attest there's a ton of tropical uh, stuff there. Well, I mean, I'm fairly certain people in Michigan still dress like Jackie Moon to this day, so. Not untrue. Uh, I think my favorite meme of the day, though, is the uh, Michigan's number five in coronavirus uh, stats. Uh, But don't worry, they'll soon lose to Wisconsin and Iowa and fall out of the top 20. Yes, I I love that. any, anything that rips on Michigan is always a good day for me because that whole state needs to be yeeted into Canada and forgotten about. Uh, well, I, let, well no, I'll save I'll save my Michigan comment for a later topic. But just go ahead and continue. I had one, but I'm going to save it. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, let's get into our our main topics of the night. We are doing something a little bit different. James is on because you know. With, with there not being a whole lot of sports, wrestling is about the only thing that is still happening. Um, and this weekend is WrestleMania. So we decided, James... Quote-unquote, WrestleMania. Right. Uh, very, very different WrestleMania this year. Uh, but with that being this weekend, James is joining us to help preview um, this... Yeah. This. So wait a second. Wait oh. a second. I think oh. we have what's this? This is Somebody's Sean going to tag in. Co-host of That's Just My Face and Smash the Mask. <laughs> Co-founder of Silento Comedy has just entered the chat. You want to talk wrestling, so you need to have the best, the very best to talk wrestling. They are. There he did. Okay, hold on, (laughs) asshole. We've been trying to get you in here for a while, so very best at talk wrestling is here. I'm very booked up. I have a tight, I have a tight schedule, so I apologize that (laughs) this is finally I got here. I legitimately it only took a virus. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, I know. No, listen, I legitimately thought for a second that you had you were about to say that you had a very tight figure. And for some reason, like it made me giggle in my head. But go ahead. I got that too. I got that too. (laughs) (laughs) Very tight. Very tight like a toy guy. Very tight. And by the way, Mac, uh, by the by by the way, Mac, Dodgeball is a way better movie than semi pro. I'm just gonna tell you. Ooh. Fired. Well, Dodgeball you guys, you guys sport, will bro. get your chance to declare that because we are hopefully tomorrow going live with the movie sports movie bracket. Uh, so you'll get a chance to vote on your favorite movies in a slew of categories starting 
should be Thursday, April 2nd on that one. Uh, but, DB, why don't you uh, introduce yourself here? Well, hello there. My name is Deshaun Byron, but everybody calls me DB. Uh, I'm a man of many talents and accolades. <laughs> I don't know. And hats. <laughs> I'm just in tasks that I do, uh, you know, I, I do stand-up comedy, I work at a radio station, plus I talk about wrestling on Smash the Mat podcast, uh, which is also on all forms of podcasting platforms, and on the comedy side, that's just my face, where we cover weird stories and all sorts of things. Yeah, so I got a billion things that I do, so well, welcome to the show, finally, 20-whatever episodes later. Uh, I mean, I've heard every single episode, so... Yeah. yeah. For those who don't <laughs> know, DB is also our editor. Uh, <laughs> he's the one who makes the podcast sound a lot better than what we make it sound like. Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm just happy Max stopped pausing as much, so that just helps me out a lot. Oh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Or you no, know, he's not rubbing his beard as much on the mic. That's that's a that's, big help too. <laughs> that's one good luck. Mm-hmm. Now let's dive it. in. Let's dive into WrestleMania. What is this? Thirty six. Yep. Uh, WrestleMania yeah. thirty six, which was originally scheduled to be this weekend in uh, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. However, with everything going on, they moved it to the, the WWE tr- Performance Center. It's their training ground. Basically. In Orlando, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, yeah. that's correct. Um, so tell us what's different about this one. Who, you, who, which one of us? You want to jump I mean, in, James? James, if you I want mean, to start. I can start, yeah. So the biggest thing is that moving to the Performance Center, you now don't have a crowd. Um, in my eyes, that's the biggest thing. Uh, one of the best things about WrestleMania is is the crowd um because it is like and i've said it before it's the super it's our super bowl so what's a super bowl without fans the you you now can't have the entrances that you had um in a major stadium just i mean just the undertaker's entrance alone like will give me goosebumps every time regardless but now you can't have that you can't have fireworks you can't have any of that so you you take that audience out of there and it kind of diminishes what wrestlemania is in my eyes Yes, for sure. And then, not to mention, um, they always tend to build the arena around their theme. They were supposed to go and do this huge pirate theme to match with the Tampa Bay Stadium. And I could only imagine what they were going to do, probably a huge pirate ship or something. It would have been insane, but it's all about the looks. WrestleMania, they kind of take it to the next level, and we're not going to get that. So it's going to be extremely different. Okay, but I feel like that was kind of their first nail in the coffin was to do anything yeah. in any kind of correlation with the books. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It, the work was kind of done for him because there's already a gigantic pirate ship that's part of the stadium in Tampa. Yep. So, you know, but I mean that that's uh, that's 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 the roughest thing about wrestling is half of it at the experience is just the pops you get from the interactions between Mm -hmm. the wrestler and the crowd. Um, And, you know, we saw a couple of the videos from like, uh, you know, rehearsal and, and, and prep and it's just not the same. It is not the same. It was, well, yeah, even watching like SmackDown and raw, like from week to week, it is so 
different. There is a huge element that has been taken out and it changes it. Now it's not saying that it's not any less entertaining, like, cause there's still parts, like they're still doing what they can. And like, it's, it's still like fun to watch, but you're not getting that crowd interaction that really like takes it to the next level. I, I think that that though, without that crowd, it, it kind of puts more pressure on the superstars and the athletes because now and I, I said this quote when I did the um, Royal Rumble episode mm-hmm. uh, where I said NXT is like Broadway and Raw and SmackDown are like um, like Hollywood. Now it's like a Broadway show. If you can't if you can't perform, if you're like if you're reliant on that crowd or if you mess up so they can go to a shot of the crowd, you don't have that anymore. And now you have to really prove that you belong there. And I, I think that that actually kind of amps up how they have to perform. And that, that's what I've been looking at the last couple of weeks, um, watching Raw this last week. Um, I was like, okay, like I'm kind of getting used to no crowd. Um, and where I'm now like, I'll, I'll watch WrestleMania. I'll see what it's out. Because I think it's going to put a lot of people on the mat or on the map that um, wouldn't have been there if there had been a crowd. But now, like, those, like, performers that have been there forever who've just been relying on their name, like, you got to perform now. And I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, as the, as a wise man named the Macho Man once said, the cream always oh my God, I swear to God. <laughs> you guys have any idea how many <laughs> times a week that that gets said in my house? As the Macho Man. With- as the, As the macho man. <laughs> you, did you know what you did you know what you were marrying? I'm just saying. So I, did, gotta, I did. She no, did. You better get used to this for the rest of our, your life. Our <laughs> first weekend away, we had to cut it short to come back because WrestleMania was on, yeah. and I told her that. Right. I was yeah. like, we have to come back on Sunday early because <laughs> WrestleMania. Is entire on. weekend on WrestleMania's schedule. Mm-hmm. That's how it worked. Welcome. I mean, <laughs> I, I get it. Maybe not with wrestling, but I've done that with, you know, Ohio college State games. Football. Usually mm-hmm. I do it with college football. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, anyways, okay, continue. Bet I'm not going to reschedule my weekend around Ohio State, Michigan. Okay, now, okay, listen, we cannot talk about cream rising to the top unless, James, you actually do it. Yeah, you got to do it. Do I have to do it? it? Oh, man, yes. all right. Because it's amazing. Oh, man, who is, okay. That was me and Gene, right? Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. The cream always rises to the top. Even the president of the WWF, Jack Tunney, wants to push the macho man down. Uh, Cream rises to the top. As he's holding his little coffee creamer. Well, he kept pulling it out. He kept pulling it it out, yeah. Because did you know? I, did you know Macho Man was actually a magician too? He actually studied to be a magician. So I did he know that. Learned yep. slide of slide of hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he kept pulling out coffee creamers out of nowhere. It was amazing. <laughs> and I need yeah. to just let our listeners know that I really wish you could see like how the veins pop out of his yeah. neck as he's doing it. It's amazing. It's all I'm saying is, if, if I think voice, the next. If your voice doesn't feel like it could, if you feel the paint off the walls, yep. then you're not doing a Macho Man right. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. He does it so great. I'm so proud of him. I really. I am. think the next thing that needs to go yeah. up in the group as a vote is DB and James both doing their impression of that, <laughs> and let the let the group decide who's better. Uh, no, I, I I I will not compete. <laughs> I will Everybody, dig out every, 
everybody needs a Macho Man impression. That's just required. I will dig out my um, Macho Man attire and make a video if it got oh, voted to do it. I always have always. costumes. There's always it's always costumes in this house. Always. All right. Okay. I guess we got to do this now. I'll dress up too. <laughs> All right. So look forward to that. We'll get that up here before long. But let's yeah. jump into uh, what, what's going on this weekend. So my understanding is it's a two-day event this year. Yes. Yep. yep. So big that it had to get extended to two days, supposedly. And uh, Gronkowski's hosting or something? Yeah. Yeah. There's always a host to WrestleMania, and it's always kind of like this underlining thing. Like, they open the show, and if they try to kill time in the middle, they'll throw them out there. Um, it's not like your traditional host of, like, a show or, like, an award show. It's really kind of like a symbolic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he is the announced host of it. So what are the chances that Gronkowski wrestles this weekend? Uh, pretty high, actually. <laughs> well, not, well not, really, not really wrestling in a traditional match, but at least getting some... Uh, action because he'd gotten it previously. Um, I want to say it was it a couple of years ago, James. When yeah, he, when he popped up, yeah, yeah, because he's the, friends. Probably, oh God, what's his name? Um, Mojo, Mojo Raleigh. Mojo yeah, Raleigh. yep, yeah. He actually helped get him into WWE. He's a guy that he grew up with. His real name was like Dean something. He used to play in an in L, and he's been friends with um, Gronkowski since forever. And he helped he helped him get into WWE because you know through his connections and he's a Gorkowski's been a wrestling fan all of his life. So, so I was running through the the lineup of matches for this weekend, at least as they stand now, and um, yeah. I was kind of surprised with how many names I knew on this lineup. Um, yeah, everybody who listens to the show knows I haven't watched wrestling since. 98 99 something like that and i mean so the wwe championship is what brock lesnar versus drew mcintyre yes Yes. Yes. right so break that one down for us because i know i know brock i know that name db why don't you start okay i'll I'll do that one okay so brock lesnar he is the biggest box office superstar of the last uh 10, 20 years almost. Uh, he, he, he basically came in around the newer, early 2000s era, became a big star, fully bred in WWE, took a break, decided to try out to be a, um, what, what was it, the Vikings? Decided yeah, Vikings. Try out for the Vikings. Yep. Uh, went to Japan to wrestle some more before he went to UFC. Became hugely successful, former UFC heavyweight champion, had one of the highest grossing pay-per-views of all time, just just recently beaten by Connor and Khabib, um, he had that record, and mm-hmm. and then he decided to go back into WWE, and it's just he's one of the true mainstream superstars. And then there's Drew McIntyre, uh, who was a wrestler from the early 2000s, also left, you know, went and traveled the indie circuit, which is like independent wrestling, and he came back over the last few years, and he won the Royal Rumble, and now he's facing Brock Lesnar. This is like his first world title opportunity. Um, but Scottish superstar, he's a giant, like huge dude. He looks legit, which has been one of the things. A lot of the wrestlers now are smaller, so to see two guys who are huge is like along the lines of how the old era was, for sure. So, oh, 
Okay. Any right, predictions? So this, yeah, I was going to say, this is a first, dude's first title shot. Like, who's going to... You really think they're going to take the belt off of uh, Lesnar? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yep. I think they are. Um, Drew McIntyre, who really is the biggest loser out of all this coronavirus stuff, to have worked your entire life for a WrestleMania shot. And unfortunately, Vince McMahon is so fickle. Like, I really hope that Drew, like, stays at the top so he gets another chance to be on the main stage because he deserves it. Um, but Lesnar... Lesnar has voiced recently that he's ready to kind of do a little less. Not that he's done anything recently, but um, he's a very solitary person. Um, and that's why you don't routinely see him perform like on the Monday Night Raw or on SmackDown, wherever he's bouncing around. Because um, he is such a big draw. Uh, they just throw him in pay-per-views. But he, he has thrown out a couple of ideas of things he wants to do. And those aren't in line with holding that title. So I think they will take the, the belt off him and put it on Drew. Who deserves it in my eyes, um, and and let him have a run with it. See, what you what Brock Lesnar is now is a true attraction superstar. Yes. Of where you build it up for like weeks and weeks and weeks. You're like, if you want to see Brock Lesnar wrestle, you have to order the pay per view. You have to watch him because he's that huge, and that's just what it is. Anytime he pops up on on this on any episode of Raw or anything, the ratings pop up. That's just what happens because they built him up to be that much. So you can't really have like the big world title on him unless it's for a big reason, like mm-hmm. to make the next superstar in this case would be Drew McIntyre. All right. Well, the next one that I have on my list is the biggest question mark right now. Uh, WWE Universal Championship is Goldberg versus what was supposed to be Roman Reigns. Uh, but Reigns dropped out because of health reasons, uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic. He's uh, he's vulnerable and isn't going to put himself at risk. Uh, so, James, why don't you break down what's going on over there? Yeah, so rumor on the Strasse right now is that uh, Braun Strowman is going to step in. Um, I should probably say this. So, Roman Reigns, if you don't know, um, he last, almost like just a little over a year ago, he went back into remission from leukemia. Um, his second time battling it, and um, he is a good company man, I think is the best way to describe it, and he does what Vince McMahon wants him to. Uh, he um, he came out after um, Royal Rumble, or I, got it, I think it was Royal Rumble, it was back then after Royal Rumble, um, with Goldberg's whole, like, who's next thing? And he's like, I'm next, and they build it as this, like, the Sears, which is one of Roman Reigns' finishers, Um but with him out, the rumor is Braun Strowman is um, who's going to take over, which kind of makes sense because Vince has always been in love a little too much um, with very large men, um, which yeah. I don't know. Goldberg is so past his prime, it's not even funny. Uh, if you watch the Super Showdown match between him and The Fiend, um, it was horrible. Uh, if you go back even a little further, um, I watched it when I was in Afghanistan. It was another one of the Saudi or Middle East pay-per-views where even The Undertaker couldn't carry Bill Goldberg through a match. Um, and you could just see the disappointment on his face. And it's just kind of a – that's going to be the match where I go fill up my drink, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, is that one of those – is that another one of those uh, attraction things, mm-hmm. DB? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I haven't – I haven't heard of Goldberg being involved in any kind of wrestling in quite a while. Yeah, so um, he came in, uh, it was not long after WCW died, and he rolled in finally and did a WWE run. And it was semi-successful, but he kind of got screwed over backstage with Vince 
made involving money and all that and broken promises. So it funny enough, it was WrestleMania 20, him versus Brock Lesnar. They faced off each other, but the fans crapped on that match, and both of them left WWE right after that same day. And then, so Goldberg hasn't returned for years and years. Finally, he came back over about two years ago, and him and Brock Lesnar renewed that feud and kind of rebuilt almost the legend of Goldberg. It was just, you know, a way for Vince to say, hey, I'm sorry, here, we'll make you a big deal again. But, yeah. It's, it's a sucky thing because there are so many guys who deserve that. You know, think about that person that's been working year after year. Uh, they're on the road 320 days out of the year. And then some at older least, guy rolls in. At least yeah. because it's Vince. At least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least. And then, some, and then some old guy rolls in on a Raw and takes the title or comes in on, on one pay-per-view and then it's gone for weeks. And it just pops up again just to make that big paycheck. It kind of makes it unfair. And that's why you don't want to really put the belt on attraction wrestlers because they're not going to be there. They're not going to be there to defend the title. So this was a good thing to do for to pass it on to Roman, who is there every single week. But now we're kind of in a tailspin because what are they going to do now? I mean, Braun Strowman, he could benefit from this. But the only way I would... This is what I would personally do. If you're going to put it on him, he has to beat Goldberg in like two, two, two minutes. Yes. Like, yeah. Yep. He has to roll in, hit the power slam, pin him. That's it. And then you build Braun Strowman to be a legit star, and Goldberg can go away and then come back again and still get a spot because he's Goldberg. So. Yeah. Uh, next up on the list is the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, Rhea, is it Rhea? Rhea. Rhea. Yeah. Rhea Ripley yeah. versus Charlotte Flair. Yeah, both my girls. DV, yes. why don't you break that one down? Okay, so Rhea Ripley. Um, she's a newer star. She's really young, uh, Australian that's come from NXT, which is the, basically the third brand slash developmental show for WWE. Like James said in the previous episode, they're the Broadway. So these are the these are the hungry. These are the young new stars that you'll hopefully see within the next to the three years that will be on top of the rest of the world. Great show. Um, she kind of came through on the UK section of NXT, uh, was their first woman's champion that came in like a, really, she's come in like a whirlwind and just rose up the ranks. And they did it a little different this year. Charlotte has won a billion world titles because she's Charlotte Flair. And so she won the Royal Rumble and she decided, uh, she was going to decide between Raw or SmackDown but because they built up NXT to be that third brand, Rhea Ripley's like, hey, you should challenge me. You haven't faced me yet. Um, so that now we've gotten this epic match where uh, Charlotte was one of, the, one of the people at the forefront of NXT helped build it to be what it is. So it's almost like a old school versus new school in a new set. So it's, it's really, really kind of cool little change of pace. Yeah, and I was a big fan of that too because, I mean, that's giving Rhea, like, mad props when you yeah. have somebody like Huge. Charlotte Flair being like, you know what? Yeah. You know what? Let's do this title. And I'm a, yeah, let me fight you. It's, Why? it's torch passing is what yeah, it is. Exactly. It's, it's the company saying, Hey, look it like Charlotte is Charlotte. She will always be Charlotte. And she's not done by any means, but it is her passing that torch to like, this is the next generation. Um, 
this is this is someone who can step up and hang with the big dogs and belongs here and it puts that spotlight back on nxt which i love because i freaking love nxt yeah so who do you guys think takes this one? Oh, rhea tough one it's a tough one but i would say rhea um i think it would be now for me because i love crazy twist if charlotte did win it and did stay on nxt for like like six months that would do so much for that show that's It'd true. Be insane. Yep. Like that's the type of stuff you want to see. It's like somebody, like a big star, go back, like Finn Balor did. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, here where he's been on the show, so mm-hmm. it's so to, it just it just helps build the rest of their roster. Whereas they might not be doing too much on the main shows, but to go back to NXT to help build the other stars, all you it's it's win win for everybody. But either way, mm-hmm. if Rhea wins, it works. If Charlotte wins, it works. So yeah, I think I'm gonna go. I mean. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go Rhea on this one just because she's really come through as like probably my favorite of all the, of all the female wrestlers on either side on NXT and WWE. It's just because you can like you almost feel that hunger within mm-hmm. within her whenever she's wrestling. Like she does it on a totally different level. Um, Baszler does it a little bit where you can feel it when she's wrestling too. But with Rhea Ripley, it's it's completely different. There's some there is something to her, and so yeah. So I'm a big, I'm that, a big fan. They call that a word. It's called it. It. She has mm-hmm. it. That is she cool. does. She, does. she really does. Yep. She really does. Uh, moving on to the non-championship matches, uh, AJ Styles versus The Undertaker, who I didn't realize <laughs> was still wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a long, convoluted story, but the broken-down version is basically um, Mark Calloway, who is the real name of The Undertaker, was going to appear at an indie-ish show-slash-convention, and Vince McMahon didn't like that, so he offered him a lifetime contract um, to keep him out of there. And so he comes back every now and then, because he's, like D.B. was saying earlier, he's an attraction. Um, The Undertaker will always be an attraction. He had the streak forever, and, you know, you can't ever count him out. I mean, the dude's in amazing shape for, like, God, was he, like, 55, 56? Yeah, um, yeah. He is in amazing shape for, like, I'm, I hope I'm that in that good of shape at that age. Um, but this is, the first thing, it's a boneyard match, which I had to, like, wait two weeks to find out what that was, which yeah, basically yeah. it's a buried alive match in a cemetery, which from a dealing with a quarantine where you can only have a few people on set at one time is actually a really good idea. It works. Um, yeah. It does work. And I think there are definitely some, like, advantages to that for that match. Uh, AJ Styles, who is 40-ish but looks like he's in his early 30s, um, is a definite superstar uh, that can help kind of put some more athleticism into that match that The Undertaker used to be able to do. And there's the mystique of The Undertaker. I think having that, like, match in a graveyard can give The Undertaker a WrestleMania entrance, which you couldn't have at the Performance Center. And what the hell is WrestleMania if The Undertaker's in it without an Undertaker entrance? Yeah, it's nothing. For sure. Yeah, what you're going to see with this WrestleMania is they're going to be very cinematic, a lot more, mm-hmm. for sure. You're going to see a lot more um, um, no-rules matches, more cinematic, in a sense. So they can do a lot more cool things that they haven't really been able to do on, like, weekly show because they still have to build these characters at the end to these great storylines like this one has been about 
uh, AJ. He's he's honestly one of the best wrestlers in the world currently, oh, yeah. if not if not over the last two years. So he's calling out the Undertaker like, uh, "You're you're old. You you don't need to be doing this anymore. You let your wife; she's in control of you now." And that has actually added another layer to this match that's really interesting. Is you're talking about these criticisms that he's had over the last few years like undertaker why are you still wrestling you don't need to be but he's like oh your wife is making you do it because she, she's spending up all your money so you have mm-hmm. to come out of retirement so you have to wrestle and stuff so and then like monday it which i want all four of you if, or, or which i know james has probably seen it or you too heather uh the promo he did on monday uh, mm. start raw Literally the text that I just sent yeah. James yeah. to talk yeah. about that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let ahead. me tell you. It, Quote, it, 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 you it, it, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I literally said it is a master yeah. class in how to talk yeah. on a mic, how to do a promo. He still yeah. has that. That has not gone away. Yeah. Um, the dude is, it, it's like he gives me chills when he talks. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was the first scene. It was the first seat on Monday Night Raw, and it was probably one of the best promos I've seen in years. And mm-hmm. I, I felt like you, you could add a rap beat, and it would be the greatest diss track since Nas mm-hmm. went out. I'm just saying, that's how good it was. <laughs> it was. It really was. It was, like, yeah. amazing. It was so good. But so what do you guys pick for that one? Oh, Taker. By far. Taker all the way. Yeah. Taker all the way. Yeah. He's gonna make an example. He's gonna mm-hmm. make an example out of AJ Styles. Yes. Yeah. Who I just looked up looks a lot like Billy Ray Cyrus. Uh, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you've seen him before, he yeah. is much better now. Oh, okay. Who, by the okay. way, that is my son's favorite wrestler, just because it's like, oh, that's my name. So mm-hmm. that is his. That's his favorite no, wrestler. He, he's he's really good. AJ Styles is. is- Probably he was one of the best WWE champions we've had in a long time. He could wrestle anybody, and there's few wrestlers that could do that. That could just have a match with anybody, and he's pretty good. So, uh, next up is Edge versus Randy Orton. Yeah. Oh, oh. God. Okay. Wow. So, uh, so, sounds like the, uh, the the newlyweds have some strong opinions on that match. We do. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So to understand, right? My favorite. WrestleMania match is it was the table ladders and chairs match with the Dudley boys, Edge and oh, Christian and the Hardys at WrestleMania 17. All right. It is like, if you're listening to this, just pause it right now, go to Google or go to the network, WWE network and watch this match and it will blow your mind. All right. Listen, hold on. Wait, let me jump in here. Let me jump in here. I wish yeah. our listeners could see DB because he looks like he's literally about to like jump out of his fucking skin. He is, that is so happy. That is, that is my favorite. That is my favorite WrestleMania match ever. Yes. They're, they're, As... The only they're, the second one is Macho Man versus Ricky Steve. Oh, God, so number good. one is ELC yes. two. I watched that as a kid. (laughs) I watched it as a kid, and it blew my mind. And so to see Edge back at WrestleMania makes me so freaking happy. When he came out at the Rumble, after all, like, the misdirection, I'm not going to be there, I'm going to be there, I was like, holy shit, he's there. Um, And and everyone in the crowd lost their shit. Lost their shit, right? And then the buildup for this is perfect. Like, he came back out, Randy attacked him, 
put them on the put them like on the like like disabled list, if you will, for a little bit. And then Randy came out and attacked a couple different people who were defending Edge. And then his wife came out and she got Edge's attacked wife. by Randy. Yep. Edge's wife, who's Beth Phoenix, who is an announcer on NXT. And it was so good. She missed the next NXT and they talked about her not being there on that show. This is how you build a match, how you build a story. This is the perfect example of it. And I'm super excited for this match. I'm just mad that it is not in front of a crowd of sixty thousand yeah. people because they yeah. both deserve that. Both do. This, this this would this would be a match of the night or mm-hmm. match of the year candidate, guaranteed. Yes. Um, just from two two of the very best going at it with actual stakes because that's what wrestling's all about. I mean, Max, for for example, you're a big comic book fan. I know that for a fact. Um, wrestling, that's what it is. It's a live action comic book. Yeah. Good versus evil. The stories, the build up to that one match where you finally have the ending to that epic storyline, the epic arc that's been going on for months. That's what wrestling is. And this is a perfect example of that. Yep. Uh, I mean, I don't know that there's any better way to sell the pay per view this weekend than that right there. Yes. Uh, but the final match on my list here is The Fiend Bray Wyatt versus John Cena. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think. Heather, yeah. do you want to talk about that? Because oh, I mean, I, I came, I came uh, showing my side on this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so... I can't even see that. Back up, back up. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, so it's super blurry, but she's wearing a fiend shirt that says "Yowie Wowie." Yowie Wowie. Yowie Wowie. Big fiend fan. Um, big fiend fan. Before we jump into this one, real quick, I didn't get your guys' predictions for Edge versus Randy Orton. Ooh. All right. So it's a last man standing match as well, uh, which means that like the premise that to win, you have to put your opponent down for a 10 count. Um, I'm going to say edge, but I, I, it's a, by a very close margin. Cause I love Randy and I think he's one of the best of all time. DB. That's a toss up. That's a toss up too. Um, I would say it, you could have a situation where Randy wins. And it Edge comes out, he gets ready to retire again, but then they set up his next feud. You oh, could have that wait situation. Though. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because yeah. I believe what a couple of weeks ago Edge said that the reason yep. why Beth was out there was yep. to basically re retire him. Yep. God, yep. I love you so much. He's gonna be he's, 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 <laughs> she knows her stuff, man. That's good. <laughs> right? He's he's basically becoming the new Terry Funk in in, in that he retires every week. Oh, so, funny! <laughs> you have to really know wrestling to get that one. Let's break that one down, Terry, Terry, Terry Funk is a treasure, and yes, no. Listen, <laughs> Mac right now is just so happy he has something to contribute. Like yes. here, <laughs> I, I, I stopped watching wrestling in like 2006. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. I, we I finally tried. said something where he's like, "Oh, I know this." I know, you know I know that. Terry. I know Terry because I love <laughs> ECW. ECW, nothing yeah. compares to it. It was my favorite, and everything else was just a horrible facsimile of wrestling. Oh yeah, I, I can get you, but yeah, my pick is Edge though overall. Yeah, I'm okay. gonna go Edge too. I'm gonna go Edge. All right. So DB, break down the Fiend versus uh, John Cena. So, um, it was another situation, a little bit of a semi-retirement. John Cena, he's been getting famous from movies, and he's going to be in the Fast and Furious series. 
the new Suicide Squad movie. He's actually getting ready to fully break out in Hollywood. So John Cena made an appearance on SmackDown, which has been his first for a while. And he was saying that he was going to sit out this WrestleMania um, and pass it on to the new superstar. He walks to the ramp and then the feed, Bray Wyatt, who has been And then it goes dark, yeah, because it goes dark. Yeah, it goes dark, and The Fiend pops up. He's uh, an alter ego of a wrestler by the name of Bray Wyatt, um, who came with this new character last year, probably the biggest character rejuvenation that has ever happened, and he's become an attraction all on his own. Um, he was the one Goldberg beat for the title, so there was it was a toss-up on who he was going to face, and so he decides to challenge John Cena, because the thing about The Fiend is, when he was his previous character, Bray Wyatt, uh, the Fiend is going after all the people that that beat Bray Wyatt, essentially. All the people oh, that man. ruined him to create this character. So John Cena beat Bray Wyatt um, at WrestleMania 32. Yes. Yeah, 31 or 32? No, 31. Yeah, it was the year after Jane Bryan. Yeah, 31. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so he beat... Um, he beat Bray Wyatt, so Bray Wyatt wants to get his win back, and John Cena's like, all right, let's do this thing. So this is going to be a kind of epic epic match for John Cena, big match John, to come in for, with the biggest character currently on television. The Fiend. Well, well, and the fun thing, too, with The Fiend, because James and I, when James and I went back in December, um, when Friday night Smackdown. Yeah, Smackdown. Smackdown. Thank you. Um, I'm sorry. I've, I'm like three quarters into a bottle of wine right now. Um, <laughs> came to Fayetteville. Yeah, exactly. Girl. Yeah, it was it was the first wrestling match that I've been to since the sixth grade. Okay, so since 1995, 96, or whatever. Um, the Fiend was the very last match of the night. Um, but it was the part that like wasn't televised or whatever. Yeah, non televised. Yeah, yeah. non televised. It was him and the Miz, I believe it was. Yep. Yep. It was yeah, it was between him and the Miz. But like, but even just watching him not live and then just watching him out like on the other ones, he has an entrance that is very reminiscent to the nineties old school Undertaker type entrance. Yep. Because the entire arena goes completely black. It is pitch dark. And then the music cues up. And then there's just this floodlight of red. And that's all it is. And it is very creepy. And very scary. And I think for some reason. Because growing up for me. Like the Undertaker's entrance was always Mm -hmm. something that like freaked me out. I don't know why. But it was just one of those things. Like I would always get like super quiet and sit very still because I didn't want the Undertaker <laughs> to see me. But yeah, like, and I would be sitting in the comfort of my home in Northeast Louisiana watching it. But like I would just get very scared. And yeah. it was, it's his entrances are very reminiscent to that. It's amazing. It's really amazing, and he really sells it. Um, and so yeah, like. I don't know. It's just different with The Fiend. The whole thing with The Fiend is very different. It's very fun, but it's also very different. Yeah, Mac and Tim, if you haven't, look up a picture of The Fiend. Just look up a picture of him. I did see And if you've seen him, yeah, creepy clown mask, the whole Mm -hmm. look. Um, You know, But he he was legit, though, in who he went with on making that mask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's more... 
Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no, you go ahead. You go ahead. There's you know more to more that about. than just his entrance. Um, yeah. I, I think a big thing with this match is those two men, John Cena and Bray Wyatt, they don't need a crowd. Um, yeah. They will come out and they will put on a show for one person. They and it's supposed to be like a Firefly Funhouse match. I don't know if you said that, DB. My bad. I didn't want to get a oh, no, I did. Um, I did. I did. Okay. You, you could. Yeah. You could tell, tell so, so for those so of if us you who don't, don't know, yeah, if you don't know what a fi- what the Firefly Funhouse is, you're really missing out. Uh, when the Fiend came back out, Bray Wyatt, they introduced these like Mister Rogers esque with a psycho twist, like promos of him with puppets and all these like different puppet characters and it, they were they were it's amazing so and it's in my so entire great. life and i can say this with a straight face completely honest they're some of the best promo work i've ever seen where at first i was like that's kind of dumb but let me keep watching that to where oh oh shit this is going on again hang on shut up shut up like this <laughs> it's amazing um and i'm not sure yet they haven't really gone into what a firefly funhouse match will be i'm sure they might on smackdown on friday um, but it doesn't matter. John and uh, and Bray Wyatt are going to put on a show that will be good to watch and will be really enjoyable. All right, so who one takes thing. this one? Yeah, now mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just say with John Cena, John Cena is a person that I think he's now getting that respect that he's kind of deserved. Um, yes. Because a lot of people talk crap about him because, you know, he, he caters to the children. He's like, you know, wears bright colors. He's like, you know, the good, the good guy. The so basically, what you're guy. saying is the new generation's Hulk Hogan. Exactly. Yeah. Now, yep. you, you saw yes. exactly where I was going. It was like, it is that he is the Hulk Hogan of this generation, and but he deserves that because mm-hmm. he's put in the work. He was there. He is another big box office superstar that took wrestling to a whole new level, and so he can he can work with anybody. And the Fiend, he is now the new school Undertaker. So mm-hmm. it is Hulk Hogan versus The Undertaker for the new generation, and it's going to be an epic, fun, crazy match. And I'm going to give it to Bray Wyatt because it's it's he's going to be in the Firefly Funhouse, and he has to get that win back for John Cena. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. That, uh, unfortunately, don't tell my stepdaughter I said this because she is in love with John Cena, but um. <laughs> uh, they, yeah, she loves him. Uh, but yeah, same. Bray Wyatt all the way. Yeah. And we all know who Heather's going with. Yowie! Wowie! <laughs> uh, so... Oh, no, what this is... No, no, okay. So listen, no, no. I'm very excited to talk about this because this is, like, literally... I'm super amped about this match. One of the first things that... that In some of the matches, when I first started getting back into it watching it with James is that we started having these very deep psychological conversations about fiend matches and how, you know, like, and like whole, the reason why the, the, the whole arena gets dark and you just have the red light. It's like, you're in his psyche, you're in his mind. So that's why there's no other light in there. It's supposed to be dark because you're with the fiend and you're following this whole thing. But now like with the whole, like, with it being John Cena and and him, it's that whole light versus dark thing battle. And so it's so yeah, it's gonna be fantastic to watch. But yeah, yowie wowie. All right. That's so last like. last question of the night. Uh two parter. We'll give it like a minute tops and then we move on. With 
the crowd not being there and the focus being on performance, who stands to do the best of the night and who stands to do the worst? Best of the night. Um, and we didn't talk about this match, but I'm going to just throw it out there is the street profits versus angel Garza. And what is it? Austin theory. Um, yeah. if you know nothing about the street profits, you're dumb. Google them. They're amazing. And um, in every aspect, get your red solo cup. They will have the best match of the night. Worst match of the night, in my opinion, is going to be... Oh, God, I have an order up here. Um, it's probably going to be... Alistair Black and Bobby Lashley. Oh, my no, God. No, 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 no. I, I, I forgot oh. I changed them. Elias versus King Corbin. Oh, yeah, that's going to be shit. Because all it is is just going to be Elias singing to him the whole time. And then fucking no. Corbin sitting on his damn throne and maybe trying to get dog food on him. I don't know. I think I think it's going to be a bad match because that was actually the match Gronk made. So I know Gronk is going to get involved in that match. So oh. that's why it's going to be bad. That's going to be the that's going to be where he probably beats up Corbin and something. Mm. It's going to be just shenanigans all the way around. You know, I love wrestling, but I hate wrestling at the same time because you know, there's the good and bad in everything. It's yeah, <laughs> but it's it, it's never changed. You have you have the good with the bad yeah. man. And it yeah. doesn't matter how stacked the card is. You're always going to get just two straight up trash matches. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm sorry, even Goldberg at the top of his game had trash matches, and I can't imagine they're any better 20 years later. He's going to have another uh, one. You know, uh, they're not. And, I mean, let's face it, I, it's been a while since I've watched. I can see that maybe going 180 seconds. Uh, <laughs> and when Goldberg Tops. gets He's panting heavily on the ground, just like bro, you know. <laughs> so you're right. You're right. You're completely and right. And he's not. Um, he's not jackhammering Braun Strowman. That dude's like no. six nine, four hundred pounds. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not. No. Gross. All right. Well, let's pivot to our other big topic of the night. Uh, we we decided that with the uh, the coronavirus going on, we were going to instead of talking about movies all the time. We're going to talk about 30 for 30 ESPN's documentary series. And we figured what better one to kick it off with since we're doing WrestleMania tonight uh, than Nature Boy, the story of Ric Flair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, God. It was amazing. I loved it. Uh, Uh, I, I went into it with low expectations. Um. Because you're not a big fan of Ric Flair. No, no. Uh, I was not ever a big Ric Flair, Ric Flair fan. Um, and I also knew that the, the, the writer and the producer also, uh, you know, he inserted himself into the actual filmmaking, which is something as a documentarian you typically don't do. Uh, but it worked. It worked really well. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with it. Uh, I thought they kind of took the veneer off old Ric Flair and showed that he was kind of a, he was a shitty person. Uh, yeah. He, yeah, uh, he was. You know, and, you know, I, I don't want to say, like, I'm not one of those people you, you know, who's a strong believer and you reap what you sow and everything you do, you know, but, like, in this case, you reap what you sow, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but, uh, what, not not to make excuses for him, but you know the the way the documentary portrayed it, he did kind of have a shitty childhood growing up. 
Uh, he did, but I will say the well, the way the way well, it was portrayed. I don't know yeah. the whole story, but it seemed no, he like okay, he he was yeah. adopted. Yeah, and then his parents really did their best to distance themselves from him. No, hold on. But before we even get into that, uh, if you listen to Behind the Bastards, there was actually a woman who sold children, like would take babies away mm-hmm. from their birth parents and then sell them. Yeah. And Ric Flair was one of those unfortunate children. He was one of the kids. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did see that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's not even it's not like he he was adopted by uh, a physically abusive family. Like his dad, his dad was a physician in you know the forties and fifties. He he was doing okay. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they were also theater people, theater people. Yeah, yeah, Which, if you think about it, makes sense to where Rick went. He liked to lift weights. What is wrestling? It's drama for people who like to lift weights. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's true. It's Fair exactly. enough. Yeah, uh, he um, did go to Minnesota to play football, though. Yeah, because Michigan wouldn't take him. Yeah, they passed <laughs> up on Ric Flair. So, uh, yeah, but but you know what though one one thing that really struck me with that entire documentary was that Rick owned up to what where he fucked up. He owned up to it. Oh yeah, like he could have made excuse after excuse after excuse, but he was like, he was like, yeah, like that's what I did. I'm not proud of it. Like that's what happened, you know. And so that I thought for, for me, that was very telling for him that he yeah. owned up to it. Well, I honestly, I imagine that change of attitude didn't happen until his kid died. Oh yeah, no. You oh no, no, no. I'm sure that that put a lot of mm-hmm. fucking shit in perspective for him. And, and, I, and I hate, I and hate, I hate yeah, that. It, I hate that that's what it took. That. That's what it yeah. took for him to do that. But I'm glad that he got there. Yeah. And I think it's just more than his kid dying too. I don't want that to be like the only thing that happened. Um, there's a really good documentary on the WWE Network right now about the um, ruthless aggression era, the Evolution oh, episode. Yeah. That oh, it's so good. That shows That's Rick was in a shitty place, and um, Triple H came in and was like, "This is not the Ric Flair I knew," um, and he came in and tried to like bring him back into the business and give him a, a something to live for. And I think that combined with losing his son um really like showed him like fuck i'm a shitty person like i have fucked up in life i need to make up for this and they um, touched base on that very briefly in that which by the way i realized we didn't do this spoiler alert his son dies so just yeah that was heartbreaking <laughs> you can find it on a google but yeah uh rick flair he's it's just you can't discredit the good thing that he's done for the business um he like changed it. He changed he it. He changed it. And then he influenced rap. He influenced so many different things. I he could not like, understand oh all the rappers who were like, Oh my God. Yeah, this, we love Yeah, Rick like when, when Snoop was like, Yeah, man, like he was one of us. I was like, What? Yeah, that. <laughs> no, that's true. That's I, true. I have. No, I have always been a WWE guy. I've admitted that wholeheartedly. Everybody else was the enemy. I've said that. But when I heard Snoop be like, yeah, he was one of us, and I saw all these people coming out and be like, and this is what Rick did, and like, I mean, he he is my favorite WrestleMania moment, not match, but moment, um, and like, I was even like, holy shit, like, I didn't realize what a icon he was. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in the spotlight. Like, NWA was not what the WWE was. Like, everybody forgets, like, NWA was this, like, regional promotion when WWF was, like, sweeping the nation, 
WCW came in after they bought NWA. So, like, people didn't see Rick for Rick. Like, he was doing regional promotions, and he influenced the fucking world. Yeah, like, that was a big thing, too, was that they were saying that he was famous before, like, he even yeah. really was, mm-hmm. like, quote-unquote mainstream. Like, he was yep. famous before then, and so, which is nuts. That's yeah. nuts. What I what I did love was that, so, I mean, obviously, I didn't follow wrestling a ton, but I love that he was almost like a, almost like a Lex Luthor comic book villain type yeah. character. <laughs> and I know you mentioned earlier that wrestling is basically comic books come to life. Yeah. Uh, but, like, he was very cartoony villain uh, almost like a 1960s Joker or 1960s Batman villain type character. And yeah. I guess I never really realized that. I I didn't know who was good guys and who was villains in wrestling growing up. I just occasionally watched it until my parents grounded me for beating up on my brother and trying the moves. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. So let, let's 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 focus on one of those. Uh, let, let's talk about Rick versus uh, Dusty Rhodes. Oh, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, yeah, that was, uh, you literally had two guys uh, who couldn't have been more physically opposite, um, but they but they both were the same and that they could sell a match anywhere, anytime with oh, anyone. Oh, yeah. And then when you put them both. Theatrically, yeah, yes. Absolutely. Same level. You put them both together, it just made this beautiful, uh, you know, it was a dance. It was a choreographed dance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, and I think what I liked most about, you know, your, your late NWA, early WCW was that, you know, you did have these guys work 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes uh, compared to what you did get into in the WWF at the time, which was, I mean, hell, uh, a lot of uh, Hogan matches were, I mean, he was, he was uh, Goldberg before Goldberg. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yep. But you had a, you had a guy the size of Dusty Rhodes who looks like three hundred and thirty pounds of chewed up bubble gum crammed into a hus- you know a hefty bag. Uh, but yeah. they're working, you know. And oh my he's, god, that's he's going, exactly what he looks like. Oh my yeah. god. Um, that is a horrible then, way to talk about the American <laughs> dream. Just saying. Could win. Yeah, but they, but they. Uh, it was magic when you put them both in a ring and mm-hmm. just cutting promos. Uh, they kind of set a really high bar um, that a lot of a lot of guys just couldn't hit. Yeah, and that's the difference with NWA too. Like they were saying, uh, NWA was for the men. It was the real deal. You see these guys, you could almost see them in your own world. The hardworking, blue collar guy versus the rich, uh, blonde hair guy hanging out with all the women, flying in jets, you know, and they're fighting to decide who's better, who's going to be the champion. That was the stories that NWA told comparatively to WWF, which was the comic book. Um, so it was just, that's where you see true storytelling was during this match of this battle with these two ideals, these two different people uh, fighting as true, talented wrestlers. They could do that, and that's what Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes are. So there were there were two quotes watching this that stood out to me. One was I didn't I never really thought of it this way, but the idea that wrestling isn't fake, it's choreographed. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, because you always hear, oh, wrestling's fake, it's not real, it's not yeah. real. But you know, they they 
with Rick and others, it kind of started changing to this idea of choreographed instead of fake. Yeah. Um, and he was ahead of his time in that um, yeah. when he was saying that. Because that, well, that was the uh, the Sally Jesse interview, right? Where he was saying yeah, that? Yeah, I think so. So that yeah. was like late 70s, early 80s. And then yeah, you didn't probably. see that again until late 90s when they made that shift from the World Wrestling Federation to World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where they're like, no, well, like, yeah, like it's wrestling. Like, yeah, it's scripted, but it's choreographed. Um, and he was way ahead of his time in that. And there were a lot of wrestlers going back through history that if someone would ask that, them that question, they'd have turned violent. And there are several famous instances yeah. Yeah, where they would have attacked like the person saying that it was fake. Um, there was a God. It was I can't. It was Hogan who choked out a reporter. I can't remember his name on like yeah. some live TV, and there was a huge lawsuit after he said wrestling was fake. But he handled yeah. that in such a professional way that just gave him this like like mm-hmm. level of professionalism that other people did not have, and that was really impressive to me because I hadn't seen that interview before, and I knew like all the other things that had happened with people, and I saw it, and I was like, oh okay, well Rick's gonna explode. But it's like, well, no, it's choreographed and it's a scripted thing that we do. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, that, fuck, that's an awesome way to say that. Well, yeah. and, Richard and Belzer. My, Ooh, yeah, uh-huh. well, and one of my favorite things, though, too, that they, they talk about and they go into is, like, the training when they are first starting out, especially, like, with oh, Rick when he first started out and how they were training, you know, with the 21 flights of stairs and yeah. doing it every single day, like, yeah, like, and then getting in, in the ring and, and learning how to, you know, to go off the ropes and how to fall. Like, they're still taking the bumps and they're still, like, getting, like, really hurt and, like, destroying yeah. their bodies to be able to choreograph these beautiful dances of matches that we see that you know like yeah like i get it i can see why people would get violent over it because yeah like i've I've actually been trained in professional wrestling um it was a i was doing it around i was 19 when i started it's a local company called ring wars carolina in uh paidville shout out to them if you get a chance but um every day we would first we'd run We'd run uh, a few laps around in this neighborhood. Then we would set up the ring, which if you ever seen an actual ring in the way it's set up, there's a, um, it's steel beams and there's wood that you set down. And there's a thin, a thin layer of cushion. Like it's barely thin. Then you put the top of the mat. So imagine doing that and then slamming your body up against that. It does not feel good at all. And, and the moves are legit, but it's two guys that are working together to help tell the story. Um, we would also do another thing called shop class, where every everybody would take turns being in the corner, and then every person in class would chop you. And there's 13 people. And the proper way to chop is you have to hit the chest, and your hand goes this way, like right in the middle. But you cannot fake it. You have to actually hit them in the chest. And if you hit the nipple, uh, you're crying, because you can literally get blood, like, and it would hurt so badly, but it was every person have to go through and have had to happen before we start training with normal moves and matches and stuff. It's a lot of the body. It is it is really tough. So you can't call it fake. It's yeah predetermined. It's choreographed, yes. But it's it's it's, it's it. quote unquote reality. Yeah. 
But at the same time, like you cannot take away like what they have put their bodies through yeah. to be able yeah. to tell that story without getting very seriously injured. Well, the yeah, way I've, I've kind of started to view it now is kind of like we enjoy watching these action movies where it's the stunt men doing things. And it's a lot of the same type of thing. Um, it's stunt men with better acting skills. Uh, yeah. Yes. Arguably better. Um, they learn their lines a lot better. Because <laughs> you got to think about it. Not only are you doing the physical, but you also have to play a character. You also have to read the crowd. You also have to pay attention to uh, what's going on. And sometimes you have to change the match in way and be prepared to do that. That takes so much of your brain to do to do that. And then you're training your body. Then you're traveling on the road. Um, then you have to worry about eating. Then you have family at home. Like the amount of things that goes into wrestling is just there's nothing like it. Uh, the other quote that stood out to me, and it was more on the opposite end of heartbreaking. Um, once you're the world champion, what else is there for you? And I feel like it was it was said to his kids or something like, like you're nothing compared to being a world champion. And it just kind of really, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough life. Um, and then another thing too, it's so competitive, you know, you're the world champ, and but then you got guys who are gunning for that spot. Everybody's cool to an extent, but they all want to be that top guy. Then you lose that, then you're always trying to get that again. So and so they focus on that. And then again, you got families at home and you're traveling nearly most of the most of the year. And how they were talking about um, his daughter was saying, he just gave me gifts, but I just wanted time. Yeah, but mm-hmm. can't you can't do that when you're a professional wrestling superstar. That's not part of it. Yeah. You have to look at the time when he was he was doing that. It's not like today where, and even in like the the mid nineties, early aughts, where there were these guaranteed contracts of, yeah. you know, we're gonna pay you two million for you know this amount of time. Back then, it was you get a percentage of the gate, and if ten people get up, you get you show up, you get ten percent of the gate. So you had to be on the road. You had to be doing all these things. You know, like the money was not what it was or what it is today. It definitely isn't what it was in the 90s during, you know, the Monday Night Wars by any means. Um, And I I think to an extent, like, you know, like, was he a great person? No. But at the same time, did he want to support his family? I think he did. Did he love that lifestyle of being the champ and being that, like, bigger than life personality yes but i also think there's a little part of him that wanted to support his family wanted wanted them to have a a life that he didn't have and in his eyes like you know and and i get it like i get being a dad you know who is his daughter and so how do you how do you be in their life well you buy him presents like yeah i'm not rick flair i'm not like ignoring my daughter i just want to throw that out there but (laughs) but also like i know like if i buy my daughter who's in washington state like a, a a present like it's like ten bucks on Amazon. Like she'd be like, "Oh, Dad bought me this." Like, and then like we'll talk on Facetime for an hour, um, which he didn't have then. So he right. did what he could. And I don't want to bury Ric Flair as being this awful dad. I, I I think he was not a great person, but trying at the same time, if you will. Different time. Yeah, it was a different time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, easier now. Let's talk to let, let's turn to probably the most iconic moment 
in Ric Flair's career, and it's iconic. It, it brings me to tears, and that is WrestleMania 24. Oh, uh-huh. man. Okay, Rick- so let me throw in a fun fact on that one, is that was one of the many letters that James wrote to me while he was deployed. One of them included his favorite matches, favorite WrestleManias, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Favorite wrestlers, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What you were about to talk about was his number one favorite on one of those lists. It, it is my my favorite WrestleMania moment. And if you don't follow wrestling, there is this mystique, if you will, with WrestleMania. Um, yeah. Where they, like, the last couple years, they've kind of, like, they've been, like, like beating a dead horse. But there are moments yeah. in WrestleMania that define people's careers. Like, yeah. Um, you, you have going back like Shawn Michaels against Bret Hart, 60 minute Iron Man match define their careers. Stone Cold Steve Austin against Bret Hart in a, um, I quit match or a submission match. I think it was, yeah. um, WrestleMania 13, yeah. they define careers. They're called WrestleMania moments for a reason mm-hmm. because you watch them and you get this like guttural feeling. You get goosebumps. Like it makes you cry. And when I watched that moment where Shawn Michaels super kicks Rick in the head and he looks at him and he says, I'm sorry, I love you, and Mm -hmm. kicks his head off and pins him, that moment is my favorite WrestleMania moment because there's so much emotion there, so much history in both their careers. Like, Shawn is called Mr. WrestleMania for a reason. Like, that's not a name they just gave to him as, like, a joke. Like, like, oh, we're going to build him. Even me, who's not a wrestling fan, but I've seen that clip before. Um, I watched the documentary the other day, and I cried at that yeah. moment because you just oh, I was, can't help yourself. No, yeah. you can't. I was bawling like a baby when I, I watched that. Room. I remember that because there had been a buildup anyway all that year because mm-hmm. Vince had told Ric Flair, if you lose a match, you're going to get you're, you have to retire. Like that's the deal. Um, so every match, there was a chance Rick could retire every match and then he finally wanted to face Shawn Michaels because you know Shawn Michaels is one of the best of all time too. He's like, I gotta face you. And then that was the big ending, the grand finale of Ric Flair, one of the greatest to ever do it, his career. It's like poetic and it was just wow, it's mind blowing. And but yeah, WrestleMania moments, those are these are the things that either inspire you to want to be a wrestler, inspire you to be a fan forever, just things that make you love well, and and it's funny too because when we were watching that that documentary, I remember there was one point where there was a there was an interview with Rick in the mid '80s, and I remember I looked over to James. I was like, he looked and sounded exactly like Shawn Michaels in the interview. Like mm-hmm. I looked at him and I saw Shawn Michaels, and I saw like just and I could hear Shawn Michaels and. James was like, well, yeah, because Shawn Michaels wanted to be Ric Flair. Like, that's the thing, too. There's so many people that saw Ric Flair and they modeled their lives after him. Mm-hmm. Like, they wanted yeah. to be him. And that's what happened. You get these, they, that's through legend. They like, I'm, they, they watched him growing up and they're like, I'm going to be him one day. And they became themselves. It's, it's how crazy how inspiring they can be. Yeah. And, and that particular match, like, that's one of those things, like, I, I feel like that's one of those, like, when somebody meets their hero, and it doesn't yeah. matter what sport 
you're in or anything that you do, like when you meet your hero and then at the, in that moment, you're at the same level as that person. Like there's nothing that anybody could ever like describe it. Like we're not even doing it justice in in just talking about how it is because of how you could see it in the match. And then when they're talking about it in this film, like yeah. it's just it's phenomenal. I've never seen it. I, I I I can honestly say I don't think I've ever seen that anywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, um, sure. Of course, a couple a of years later, I mean, Rick is still he's still involved with WWE. Um, right? yeah, not really. Not sort not of. Not really. Loosely, yeah. loosely. Yeah. We'll say loosely. He um, just makes appearances, especially yeah. and just just when it's time for like legend. Legendary times and stuff. He'll yeah. pop up. He got really sick. It, it was actually not long, either before or after the documentary um, premiered. He mm. got really sick, where he was touch and go. Like he was, we thought he was going to die. Like <laughs> it was pretty bad. Um, like his whole body was just shutting down. But then he came out because Ric Flair always kicks out of two. So um, yeah. That's <laughs> so true. he. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll say he is legendary for his um, consumption of alcohol yeah. and consumption of, um, how do I say this? Not gross. Um, the ladies, if you will. Yeah. That, yeah, that but... breakdown when he was Baseball. with the psychiatrist. Or no, it was so good. I fully believe it. I fully believe him. I don't think that was an exaggeration yeah, at no, all. No, I fully true. believe that's... him. Well, a big thing for me, I think one of the biggest takeaways too for me, like one of my very favorite parts in that show was when they talked about when his daughter, Charlotte, um, took the women's title and mm-hmm. how she was no longer, to to Rick, she was no longer Rick Flair's daughter. He was Charlotte Flair's dad. Yeah. And that and was- that's true, like- yeah, it was so yeah. massively important to him and how proud he was of her for taking that. Like, she and wasn't even going to get into wrestling. Like, that's exactly. That's yeah, it wasn't it. even until Reed died that she even yeah. did, right? Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, that was... yeah, because that was his path. That was the path he wanted to take, and he was, he didn't. And so she felt she was very close to him. and she felt compelled to continue on his journey. But for some reason, I guess, I don't know, I just, the whole, you know, little girl and daddy thing, like it just, it just really hit me that he, in that moment, you know, he, he didn't care that he was Ric Flair. He didn't care that he was the world champion. It was, that's my daughter. I'm her dad. And so, yeah, I, that was probably one of my most, favorite parts of that whole thing and, and as you see she is like really she's come far and beyond and she, she's gotten it on her own terms too mm-hmm. and that's why that's why matches like at Wrestlemania this year seeing her and Reaver Ripley anybody that works with Charlotte is kind of like Ric Flair was in the same era that anybody mm-hmm. that works with her now you know they're going to get that they're going to work with the best woman that's on in the world wrestling wise like and, and that's kind of cool to see that legacy that he put forth. Yeah. Well, before we close tonight, anybody got any final thoughts? Uh, I thought it was really cool what Sting said about him. Oh, uh, yeah. That was like, so good. Yeah, like, 
He's like, bro, he, he, he didn't have to, I'm, I'm yeah. not even just talking about him not, you know, running around, not wearing pants. Um, but you know, <laughs> how yeah, he, he liked to, uh, he's a bit of a nudist. Yeah. Notorious for that. Spoiler alert. Yeah. But I mean, just in how Sting, who was a, who was a name in his own right, um, realized that Flair was coaching him up to, to kind of put him over the hump, um, you know, to get him to that next level. And, you know, I mean, you don't see a lot of big names that actually do that. You know, you, you just, I mean, at the, at the time, this guy was the, you know, he was the very, you know, tip of the pyramid as far as professional wrestling was. And he's sitting here like, nah, man, you got to hit me harder. You got to scream a little louder. You got to do this. You got to really sell it, you know? And it's just, I thought that, you know, I get, maybe it's a consummate professional thing. Uh, but I just, yep. I, thought that, I thought that was a really cool little anecdote. Yeah, that, that, yeah, because that was, I mean, that was across the board. A lot of the guest appearances they had, they would say, you know, like, he made sure to bring out the best in me in yeah. our matches. Not of himself, but in me. So, yeah. Any other final Take thoughts? Care of the boys. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, again, uh, that was like my second or third time watching that documentary. And it, it just, it, I felt like it gets better every time. Just, it's a must watch. You should watch that one. And I also watched the Andre the Giant documentary that's on HBO. Um, if you, it, it, just along those lines, if, if Rick Flair made an appearance on there talking about Andre. So to watch him talk about Andre, the, it's just kind of cool to see these. There are just so many stories like that in wrestling. And a lot of must, these all time great people that are almost folk heroes, legendary, epic human beings that have walked this earth. And if you're not a wrestling fan, it's okay, but at least give it a shot. Find your local WWE show, find a local indie show, just go there. You'll realize you're part of the show, and that's what makes it so special. So, yeah. <laughs> James? Um, yeah, kind of same on that line. Like, don't count out WrestleMania just because there's not a crowd. Um, the great thing about the network and they don't pay me, they should as much as I plug them, but they don't, um, the WWE network, you can get a month free. This is the time to do it. It's WrestleMania season. It's been WrestleMania season, but now is like pre WrestleMania weekend. Check it out. Watch it. I have a feeling that this is going to be like a Broadway level performance where things that happen this weekend are going to propel people's careers. And you want to be there to see that. Everyone wants to be there to say, like, oh, I remember watching this match, or I remember when I watched this band for the first time. Like, I make the joke with Heather all the time because I grew up in L.A. I'm like, oh, I saw this band before they were cool. Um, you want to be that person, and this is your this is your chance to do that. Um, and there are people on this card that we didn't talk about um, that are going to put on performances that 10 years from now we're still going to be talking about. So don't just discount it because it's, oh, well, they don't have fans. There's no fireworks. This has the chance to be the best WrestleMania ever because of performance, not the crowd, not the spectacle, because of performance. And I would say don't discount it just because of what we're going through right now. I have a feeling that what we're going through is actually going to make this one of the more iconic ones. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Yep. yep. Unforgettable. Heather, final never thought. Count out. Uh, <laughs> No, go ahead, DB. What were you saying? What'd no, you say? I was just saying, never, never count out Vince McMahon. No, because oh, he no. is, and I wrote this down earlier because I wanted to say it, Vince McMahon it, is the Ian Malcolm of the wrestling world where 
Life will find a way. Vince <laughs> will find a way. He always yep. finds a way. He does. Heather, your final thoughts for the night? You know, the 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 way that I'm kind of looking at this WrestleMania is I'm kind of equating it to the Nirvana Unplugged album because of how, you know how, what, 20, 25 years later, we are still talking about how that's probably one of their greatest albums or one of the greatest albums that has been made. And the thing is, is that it's so stripped down and it goes so back to the basics that I feel that in this, with this WrestleMania, with there being no crowd and there being no pomp and there being no circum, you know, pomp and circumstance and all of that and all the flashy shit, like you're actually getting to get back to the root of the story and the root of wrestling and why people got into it to start with. And I just kind of feel like with there not being an audience there, you lose that. So you get to actually see the storytelling and I mean, and the grace that goes into being able to tell these stories match after match and how people, okay, get the dopey smile off your face, James. I see it. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of like what I'm equating it to though. That's what it reminds me a lot of is that if you're not super into wrestling and you know, if it's been 20 years since you've seen a match or or whatever, like it's definitely a really good time for you to to watch it and be able to be like, you know what? Okay, you know what? Yeah, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. It's kind of fun. I feel like you're talking directly to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, that's kind of how I view it. You know, this this is kind of the this is basically WrestleMania unplugged. And uh, I think it'll be worth a watch. Before we go, DB, tell everybody where they can find you. All right. Of course, you can find me on all forms of social media, DB Greatness. I'm the only one that exists. Um, and then, of course, Smash the Mat podcast on all social media. Um, uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everything. Just search it up. And on Spotify and all podcasting platforms, uh, TJMF Podcast. Yes, TJMF Podcast. But that's just my face. Uh, find that on all you know, social media and such. And on 910 Comedy. Things. Yeah, 910 Comedy. If you want to laugh, like memes, fun stuff, go there. That's where you can find. Well, thank you, DB and James, for joining us tonight. That will wrap it yeah. up for this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can get in the conversation at our Hometown Crowd podcast group, uh, facebook.com slash group slash Hometown Crowd pod. As always, subscribe on your favorite podcast source. And if you're an iTunes or Apple podcast listener, leave us a review and we will read it on the show. For Mac and Heather, I'm Tim. Thanks for cheering with the Hometown Crowd. And I do not recommend playing the Tiger King drinking game. Just don't. It's a bad idea. So bad. It was so bad. Terrible. Don't do it. Have a good night.